This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. Well, I am so glad that I got to uh, to be a part of the Apex United Methodist Church family, uh, so that I might enjoy the hundredth celebration of your sanctuary. Uh, one of the highlights for me was the opportunity to just walk around this beautiful sanctuary and to read the inscriptions there on the plaques by the windows, uh, which identifies um, the window uh, information, but also the benefactors of those windows. Now, as some of you may remember, I grew up just outside of Apex in Chatham County, just in case you can't tell from my accent. When I was in the fifth grade, uh, my teacher sent a note home to my parents uh, that I needed to get my vision checked. And as a result, an appointment was made with Dr. L.A. Rayner, who had an office here in, in Apex. What I discovered as I walked around and looked at these windows on Anniversary Sunday was that that large stained glass window in the back there was given in honor and now in memory of Dr. L.A. Rayner, and the Rayner family uh, has gifted that. Um, For me, that was kind of a connection that I I had uh, with you from the beginning. But my visit to Dr. Rayner on that particular day in my young life uh, was a significant one. It was a turning point, because from that point forward, I had to wear glasses. I recall that the first night that I had my new glasses, that suddenly the stars in the night sky looked like pinpoints of light rather than globs of light. And so, you know, I needed those glasses, and I have needed those to improve my vision uh, continually since. Our literal vision is a real key to how we view our world, our life, our faith journey, even our church. As Christians, we look through the lens of our relationship with God, his will for his kingdom and his people are revealed in scripture and through the Holy Spirit. But over the last several weeks, we as a family have celebrated the apex family tree. And we've also celebrated the vision of our faith communities. Each one of our faith communities has a a unique opportunity to reveal the kingdom of God. Um, And they are all looking at our world through the lens of, of God's eyes. Today, we're celebrating in particular the peak um, community. And so um, one of the ways that we can uh, celebrate them is to uh, hear from some of their, their members. And so I invite you to give their attention to a video uh, as, represented, uh, as representatives from that community share with you a good word. piano major in college. Um, I've played guitar and sung since I was 10 years old. Um, My wife is even giving piano lessons to my son. So uh, you'll frequently see if you come to our house, uh, us all sitting around in the living room just singing. 
Um, it's a big part of what we do, it's a big part of who we are, and uh, it's really, really important to us. I like that the music at the peak is simple. It's not overdone, it's not a performance, it's just really simple. But at the same time, it's really well done. The, there's excellence in everything that they do, and it doesn't distract um, from the worship experience. It's not showy, but it's just really well done. And that's what I think attracted me the most to getting involved. Serving on the worship team has really allowed me to become, feel like I'm more a member of the community, that I'm closer integrated with what's going on at the peak, with everyone there. Um, and it's allowed me to model uh, serving for my children. You know, they see me from the time that I find out I'm going to be singing or playing guitar in a week. Um, I'll get the songs and they'll be practicing and they see all the work that goes in and what it takes to really uh, serve God with everything that you have. Uh, so that's been really valuable for me and for my family. So when you look around any church, uh, you'll see a lot of equipment, you see a lot of microphones and speakers and just basic stuff that's required in order to make worship possible. And that could not be done if it wasn't prioritized by the church leadership and wasn't valued by the congregation. Um, so there's, no, there's just no way we could do it without the support of the budget and, uh, and the support of the congregation. So thank you so much for making it possible to worship the way that we do. Worship arts is such an important part of uh, the ministries of all uh, our campuses. Uh, this morning, um, the video sort of highlighted how the Peak is are using worship arts to make connections. The Peak has clarified its vision, uh, viewing the world through the lens of um, their mission statement. Uh, just to share with you the mission statement that they have um, adopted. It is welcoming all who feel disconnected to experience a compassionate God and loving community. Now the heart of this vision is really rooted in Paul's letter to uh, the Corinthians and in the second letter, his second letter to the Corinthians chapter 5. So um, I invite you to, to hear these words of Holy Scripture and uh, think, make that connection for yourself. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, as anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God.
As we reflect on Paul's words in Corinthians, um, it seems to me that maybe the people that he had loved and, and taught about how to be church had really lost sight a bit of their purpose. And he brings clarity to uh, that community by reminding them that they have been given this ministry of reconciliation. When you unpack those words, you see that reconciliation is something that is dynamic. It is dynamic that it involves connection to God and connection to the community, to, if you will, your neighbors. For Paul, there is a real need to persuade others that Christ died for all. And in that persuasion to remind them that he was not counting their sins against them when he did this. This need that he saw is drenched in Christ's love to the point that he compels us to take up this ministry. Now another way that you can think about this ministry of reconciliation might be to phrase it or express it also as a ministry of reconnection of reconnection. As you think about that idea of reconnection, I want to invite you uh, to consider maybe three questions. Do you know anyone who is disconnected from God? Secondly, how about anyone who may be feeling isolated or lonely, disconnected from others? And also, do you know anyone who perhaps may be even disconnected from their true self? Well, just like my parents had my vision checked, it's important for us to check our vision uh, as a congregation, as a church family from time to time. We have to set aside some time for examination and reflection and ask ourselves, are we committed to this ministry and how are we being attentive to those around us who are in need of this ministry? How would you know if someone is disconnected from God? And sometimes you might not know that, but sometimes there are signs. Maybe there's a change in the way they do things. Maybe they quit doing the things that have sustained their relationship with God. Perhaps they may in conversation say to you that their prayers just seem to be hitting the ceiling. Perhaps they have drifted away from worship. Or maybe there's a minimal attention to the Word of God. Or may they simply neglect the nurturing Christian relationships that they have had before. As I thought about that, I remember Jesus' story about the prodigal son just to remind you about that story, just to think about it. This was the son who asked for his inheritance early from his father. Once he had received that inheritance, he set off for a far country. He squandered that inheritance. He grew hungry. He came to his senses, though, and he went back to his father, and he said to his dad, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. You see, he had unplugged from his relationship with his father. But his experience in that far country 
gave him a new lens from which to view his relationship with his father. And so we need to be attuned to those around us who are looking for for something. Maybe they're searching for something. Those who have gone far off, but perhaps who we see are on their way back home. That are on their way back home. But you know, when you start thinking about it, haven't we all at some point in our life gone our own way? Haven't we all gone to a far country of some sort without any consideration for what or the inheritance, that wonderful inheritance that we have from our (laughs) Heavenly Father? And we've had to acknowledge at some point, just like that prodigal did, that God in Christ has built a bridge over our troubled wandering so that we can come home where we belong. That bridge is for us. And our ministry, this ministry of reconciliation, is simply to pay attention to those around us and to deliver the message that a loving Father is indeed waiting, just waiting anxiously to see them again. Now, it's possible that there's someone here this morning that is feeling that they are that prodigal, that they are far off, and that they're on their way home. My encouragement for you this morning is simply to remember that you are a child of God. This morning at 8.15, we gathered around as the community at the Lord's table. Every time we gather at the Lord's table... We remember our deep connection to that bridge builder, Jesus, who loves us and gave his life for us. Jesus, when he was sharing this meal with his disciples, told them that when they eat the bread and they drink the cup, to do it in remembrance of him. Remember. Just as we break that bread at the table, let's break that word apart. Remember. To me, it's as if when we depart uh, today that we will dismember as the body of Christ. And then when we gather together the next time, we will remember. Gathering together helps us to remember that we are indeed the children of God. And that by his grace we have been saved through faith, not of anything that we have done, lest we should boast. Sometimes we're just nearsighted, and we focus just on the people right in front of us. But Jesus calls us to ask who or what is missing. Along with Pastor Angelo and Pastor Tim, I hope that you will reach out to us or one of our ministry team leaders, when you notice that someone is struggling, and also to celebrate when someone is thriving in their faith. Apostle Paul, I think, put it beautifully in Ephesians 2.13. He said, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near. Peter address this a bit in the passage from Acts this morning. He said, the promise is for 
you and your children, and for all who are far off. For all who are far off. Does that strike a chord? You and I were once those who were unplugged and disconnected and far off, and we have come home. Jesus even tells us another story in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 15 about a lost sheep. There's a shepherd who has a hundred sheep, and one goes missing, he tells. And the shepherd has a choice, as we think about it. Shepherd has a choice as to whether to stay with the 99 or leave the 99 and go in search of the one. I think Jesus' response, or thinking about it, is countercultural. We would tend to stay with the 99, wouldn't we? But the shepherd, the good shepherd, left the 99 and found the one. So whether we connect or reconnect to God, there's a transformation that occurs and expands our vision. I was reading one of the scholars who uh, looked at this passage and typically we, um, we read it, and I did read it in that passage in the translation this morning, we are, a, we are a new creation. But some of the scholars say that this is more properly translated, we are new creation. There's a difference there. It's more corporate, more, um, more outreaching than just our individual sense of ourselves. So we start to look to God and then to look beyond ourselves and to examine our connection to others, to our community, to our neighbors. And all, when I say neighbors, I mean that in the fullness of the word, what that might mean. And we realize that we are indeed that new creation. And I think Paul must have had this corporate nationalistic sense in a way, uh, awareness, when he spoke about this because he tells the Corinthians that they are ambassadors for Christ. In Roman times, when uh, the Romans would uh, conquer a territory and claim it as their own, they would send as many as ten ambassadors to a conquered region, obviously to represent their interest and the desires of the Roman government. And they were men who had been chosen because the emperor could trust them to be a guardian of the Roman way. An ambassador was someone who was trustworthy to carry out the assignment. Paul picked up this special role to remind those Corinthian believers that they were Christ's ambassadors. Christ trusts them to do the ministry of reconciliation and reconnection. They are to be concerned about their neighbors, the community of faith, and the community at large. They have a message to deliver. As I was preparing for today, um, I had a dream. I think it was partially because I was a bit anxious about what the day would be like. But in my dream, I was in a classroom again. Long time since I've been in a classroom. But the, the professor made an assignment, and the assignment was to tell a story. Didn't say what story, just to tell a story. 
So I had decided that I would tell my story by using index cards. So I had, um, it came time for me to tell my story that I had prepared. So I laid out my index cards on the desk of those who were gathered in the classroom. So I must have turned my back. In the next part of my dream, I start to tell my story and I reach for that index card and guess what? It's gone. All my index cards are gone. Well, it was about that time that I woke up. And I thought, what is the message of this dream to me? Now, I know it's kind of risky to do your own interpretation of your, your dreams, but, but what it said to me was that each one of us has a part of the story to tell. Each one of us has a part of the story to tell. And this morning, the message is that we are called to a ministry of reconciliation, and each one of us has a part to play in telling that story. And without your part, the story, the full story, doesn't get told. One of my favorite um, authors and preachers is Dr. Howard Thurman. He's a former dean of Howard University. He's also a Christian leader who dared to ask a pretty significant question. This was the question. What does the message of Jesus have to say to those whose backs are against the wall? What does the message of Jesus have to say to those whose backs are against the wall? I think we need to reflect on that question as we prepare to share the message. In some of his writing, he talks about the importance of um, imagination in loving others. I think um, it's obvious that the ministry of reconciliation and love are intertwined. This is what he wrote about that. He said, imagination shows its greatest power as the angelos of God. In the miracle it creates when one man standing on his own ground is able, while there, to put himself in another person's place. Perhaps as we relate to our community, we should use our imagination to explore the challenges faced by our neighbors. What do you imagine as you look at your neighborhood and the neighborhood of our world and reflect and try to put yourself in their shoes? We are celebrating the peak this morning and their ministry and their lens on the world. I think the peak is embodying um, the use of their imagination as they engage in a call to ministry. One of the things that they are doing is they are calling their um, example the peak of good neighboring. Now you all know as Apex folks that we have a peak of good living, but they are thinking about the peak of good neighboring. They've been engaging in ministry in the community for the last month, and they have um, challenged their church family to meet eight of their neighbors over the next year and to, uh, 
to perform a random act of kindness. Just think if, if that congregation fulfills that challenge, how the, the ripple effect of God's goodness will be uh, um, exponentially multiplied. Perhaps that's a challenge we need to hear as well. Paul also uses another description that defines for me what it means to be an ambassador for Christ because he goes on to say that we need to be ambassadors for Christ. Our Monday morning Bible study has been studying the book of Philippians. Just recently we covered um, chapter 2 verses 14 and 15 uh, as part of the lesson. This particular description, I think, is a good one for what it means to be an ambassador. It reads, Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you, you, shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life as you hold out the word of life. As ambassadors for Christ, we hold out that word of life in a committed manner. There's such beauty in that description, that you shine like stars in the universe. When I hear that, I imagine the darkness of the night sky, and I see those pinpoints of light shining through the darkness. We are ambassadors of those pinpoints of light that bring hope to dark places, the dark places of sin and into the lives of people who are in desperately needing some source of light, some way to light their way. One of um, my favorite questions, it's an old one, but I think it's still relevant. The question is, if you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? (laughs) So what if you were accused of being an ambassador of Christ? Would there be enough evidence to convict you? There's a story right out of the headlines, I think, that kind of marries this sense of connection to God and reconnection to God and with the connection and reconnection to our brothers and sisters, our neighbors, our community. The story is about Dean Otto. Dean is a runner and a triathlete who was hit by a pickup truck in Charlotte, North Carolina, last September while riding his bike. When he arrived at the hospital, Dean was paralyzed from the waist down. His neurosurgeon, Matt McGirt, put his spine together with titanium. And he told him that his dream of ever running again was probably overly optimistic. For you see, only 2 to 3% of people with his kind of injury ever walk again. As he regained consciousness on the side of the road, Dean Otto prayed these words. God, I don't know what you've got planned for me, but whatever it is, is larger than I can process. It's all yours. I'm going to give it to you and trust that this plan is going to work out. Even though Dean was angry, and he said he was when he woke up, 
He, just, he prayed a prayer of forgiveness for Will Huffman, the driver of that pickup truck. Now fast forward to this past summer. This past summer, the patient, the neurosurgeon, and the pickup truck driver all got together to run a half marathon. So that tells you the rest of the story. But there are a few things about this story that make it even more compelling. You see, 10 years ago, Dean Otto was drinking. He was popping pills. He was isolating by his own words. He was withdrawing. He said he was impossible to live with. He was self-centered. It might be fair to say that he was disconnected from his true self. But his family staged an intervention that resulted in him going into an uh, a 16-week outpatient program. And he said during the time that he was in this program, people began to talk to him about God and how a strong faith could help you. And he said at first it was he just listened because it was just lip service as far as he was concerned. But somewhere in there something changed and he started to have faith And then he started to see results. And he said something that I love. He said, I took to prayer. I took to prayer. He said, I became a much nicer guy. I didn't think about drinking anymore or popping pills. His faith gave him a new lens from which to view his life. And he learned through his recovery that resentment will bring you down. He learned the lessons of prayer. You see, his connection or reconnection to God made it possible for him to connect differently with Will, the man who hit him with the pickup truck. Now, Will felt compelled to apologize to Dean. So after some internet research, he was able to contact Dean's family. Nine days after that accident, Will (coughs) met Dean for the second time in a rehab center. Dean remembers that Will and his wife came and they were pretty uncomfortable He said, we tried to treat them like anybody else would who would be visiting. He said, Will kept saying to me, I'm so sorry. But Dean told him, he said, you've got to get past this. This could have happened to anyone. We know you didn't intend to do it because it was an accident. We forgive you. But Dean's connection to God gave him this new vision of how to treat his neighbor. You know, connection is difficult because we live in an era that values the amount of connection, the quantity over the depth of connection, the quality. We can pull out our phones and be instantly connected with the thoughts and the opinions and the activities of thousands of our closest friends. (laughs) That's contact. 
not necessarily connection, real friendships. In those times, it's easy to walk away. We can unfriend someone in a moment. We can unfollow them if we don't want to listen to them. Our relationships are often funneled through the lens of the world at our fingertips. But there's a danger, there's a potential to miss out on real friendship or even be willing to reconnect or be reconciled to someone else. Dean's story for me is encouraging because he was able to offer that reconciliation to Will because he had experienced the ultimate sense of reconciliation, connection through faith in Christ. Last week, Pastor Angelo spoke about um, faith paralysis, and I was really struck uh, with that um, language. But as I thought about it, you know, Dean experienced initial physical paralysis, but he was able to move through that paralysis because his faith paralysis was healed. And he's continued to inspire others through his recovery, even his neurosurgeon and young Will, who was the driver in the incident. So as we prepare to go back out into that world of uncertainty, my invitation is this to you. I invite you to be more attentive to your relationship to God, for it gives you a new lens from which to see the world, to see yourself, to see your community. Secondly, I would invite you to get to know your neighbors, whether they are in the house next door to you, in the room next to you, or in the classroom next to you, or in the office next to you, or in the cubicle next to you, or even in the pew next to you. You may just be that person that the Holy Spirit works through to reconcile someone to God in all his fullness. Or perhaps they will be the catalyst that brings you closer to God, that brings you home to the Father. And lastly, I invite you to consider the quality of your relationships. Are you developing holy friendships? Would you consider your conversations holy conversations? John Wesley had a good word about what that means. If we're going to be ambassadors, we need to... Be mindful of that. Listen to what Wesley said. They who walk after the Spirit are always led by him into all the holiness of conversation. Their speech is always in grace, seasoned with salt, with the love and fear of God. No corrupt communication comes out of their mouth, but only that which is good, that which is to the use of edifying, which is to meet, to minister grace to the hearers. And herein likewise do they exercise themselves day and night to do only the things which please God. In all their outward behavior to follow him who left us an example that we might tread in his steps. In all their interaction with their neighbor to walk in justice, mercy, and truth. And whatsoever they do, 
in every circumstance of life to do all to the glory of God. Let us pray. Loving God, open our eyes to the abundance of your love for us. Help us to see beyond ourselves to the needs of others. We give thanks that you draw near to us. May we always be on the path home so that we are drawing closer to you every day. And help us to be light shining in the darkness and ambassadors for your kingdom. We pray this in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen.